It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Most of us don't know much about how our immune system works, and yet it affects every aspect of our health. We hear a lot about boosting our immunity, but what does that actually mean, and how can it be done? Today's guest, Dr. Heather Moday, is here to talk about how the immune system is influenced by the way we live and what imbalances lead to disease, chronic inflammation, infection, allergies, and autoimmunity. Dr. Moday is a board-certified allergist and immunologist, as well as an integrative and functional medicine physician. Her new book is The Immunotype Breakthrough, Your Personalized Plan to Balance Your Immune System, Optimize Health, and Build Lifelong Resilience. Welcome, Dr. Moday. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan. It's a pleasure to be on today. So, Doctor, today, with what all of us have been going through over the past few years, you hear more and more people talk about the importance of boosting our immune health. But before we get into that, can you give us an Immune System 101? Why is it so important and what is its main function? So the immune system actually does a lot of things. And we we think of it as only the system that, you know, fights infection and kills microbes. But actually, it does a lot more than that. Uh, I mean, that is a very important thing. Without an, an immune system, we would not be able to survive, you know, viral infections, fungal infections, bacterial infections that, you know, sometimes we don't even feel because they're so mild. But we also do a lot of repair. So it is the way that we constantly repair our bodies throughout our lives from every little insult that we come in contact with. And so, you know, if we are not able to constantly repair um, our cells and our tissues, we would age very quickly and, and die very quickly. So it's, you know, the way you can think of the immune system, it's sort of everywhere in the body it affects all of our tissues. And it is both the system that protects us from things that are potentially harmful, but it's also the thing that repairs and rejuvenates ourselves as we age. During the pandemic, we've heard a lot of people mention the word immunocompromised. What does that mean? And what does our immune system need in order to function at its best? Yes, that's probably a multi-part question. But I would say that, you know, being immune compromised can come from different sources. So for example, some people are immune compromised because of diseases that they have. Uh, for example, if they have, you know, HIV, which is a, obviously a virus that weakens the immune system, or, um, you know, perhaps they're taking medications such as steroid medications or chemotherapy that is suppressing our immune system, so that puts them in an immunocompromised state. Also, as we age, um, our immune system does get a little weak, although there are ways to counteract that. Um, but we have a, a process that's called immunosenescence, which essentially means that, you know, our immune system becomes a little sleepier, a little bit slower. 
um, and that happens. So you can be sort of immune compromised perhaps when you're uh, much older. But then there's a lot of us that are immune compromised because of how we eat and how we sleep and our stress levels, or maybe we're dealing with other diseases like diabetes, um, which can actually uh, weaken our immune system. So there's lots of different ways that we can be compromising our immune system um, just by the way that we live our lives. So sticking with the lifestyle choices, because this, I think, is so important because we've all felt so helpless. But when you understand mm-hmm. the power that we have, I, I think that it really is a game changer because I'm one of those people mm-hmm. who tries to do everything to keep what I call my army in top form. So how do things mm-hmm. like the way we behave, the things we eat, the environment, how do all of these things that are within our control How do they impact immune function? So there's lots of different things that we as humans do behaviorally that affect our immune system. And I would say one of the major things, of course, is what we put in our mouth, like what we actually eat, because you have to feed your immune system. You know, we have all these different specialized cells like T cells and B cells. Um, You know, obviously uh, B cells create antibodies. We have so many different things that we uh, sort of need to to feed these cells. these cells in order for them to work at their maximum capacity. And so, you know, I always have people focus on things that are what are called antioxidant rich foods. Um, And many of these are the fruits and vegetables that we eat that have tons of pigment. Uh, They have a class of chemicals called polyphenols, which are actually what creates the pigment in our, in these plants. And those are very, very effective at sort of putting out fires, preventing inflammation from occurring or stopping inflammation when it gets out of control um, and preventing what we call free radical damage from things that are in our environment that we deal with on a a daily basis. So that's a really good place to start in terms of nutrition. The other thing that you can do nutritionally is feed our microbiome in our gut, which is the living organisms, mostly bacteria. But there's trillions and trillions of them that live in our, in our digestive system that really communicate uh, with our immune system. So it's almost like we have these creatures inside of our, our gut, which can uh, then sort of give messages, uh, sort of modulate and mediate the responses of the immune cells that are just, you know, uh, just beyond the gut wall. So, you know, by doing things like eating lots of fiber, that's really, really key. Um, eating some fermented foods or foods that might have some natural um, uh, probiotic or beneficial bacteria in them. This is another way people can really uh, take a big step towards improving their immune system through food. Paying attention to our gut health, that would be one of the best ways that we can keep our immune system functioning? Absolutely. And, you know, this has been a really active area of research. It's, it's not in the sort of alternative medicine realm anymore. We know that so many um, problems in the gut now are being linked to brain issues, inflammatory brain problems, Alzheimer's disease, mood disorders, but also to things like skin inflammation, acne, different kinds of, uh, you know, eczema. And then also we know autoimmune disease, um, that a lot of the sort of I would say uh, backfiring or what I described as misguided reactions in the immune system can start with some aberrations in our gut uh, microbiome. If the gut health is so important, why aren't 
doctors focusing there first before medicating or going down different routes? Why is that not the first place of concern? Um, You know, I think that goes back to education. You know, unfortunately, unlike maybe some other industries like the tech industry, you know, medical training is very um, sort of staid and old fashioned. And they have this, it's slow, it's very slow to change. And, you know, old habits die hard. And it usually takes, you know, a, a decade or two for new information to become part of medical school curriculum. And I think that's, I I know that for sure that's the case. I know when I graduated from medical school and I did go to a traditional four-year, what I would describe as conventional medical school, which I loved, but, you know, we didn't, I didn't learn anything about uh, nutrition and, you know, stress management and things that, you know, people were starting to talk about and research on. And it wasn't until I really went out on my own and, you know, got curious and started doing some other training that I picked up on this. So I think that's part of it. And in conventional medicine, too, we have this real sense that we have to have these, you know, placebo controlled double blind trials in order to even recommend something like a lifestyle change, which, you know, really slows down progress, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you know, the good news about all of this, doctor, is that you don't need a prescription to do the types of things that you're recommending. Yeah. These are things that we can take Absolutely. control of in our own life, and there's really no downside to doing it. Absolutely, and I think that's where I, you know, I I question why, you know, some of my contemporaries, colleagues, really feel sort of held back, you know, in a way, because these are things that they can recommend that have no side effects, <laughs> costs nothing or, you know, really doesn't cost anything for patients to make many of these changes. And so I'm not quite sure, you know, why they feel somewhat unable to sort of make these recommendations because there's really no harm and we're seeing more and more there's just tremendous benefit. And and it does prevent people from having to uh, go on to potentially dangerous medications, medications that can cost thousands and thousands of dollars and have potential side effects. So it's not an either or, which is, you know, it is a an in addition to uh, use of medications that may be helpful. And hopefully through the work of people like you, we're going to be seeing positive changes moving forward. I hope so. I mean, you know, there's a lot more noise out there, um, good and bad. But, you know, I think that uh, one thing that COVID has do- uh, done for us is it has, you know, uh, per- sort of put a problem in front of us that um, we know that it, it took more and takes more than just medications and drugs to solve. I mean, it is a boon that we have scientists that were working on new types of vaccines. Um, I certainly think that that has helped uh, tremendously, and I really, um, I loud that. But at the same time, it's brought to light the fact that Many Americans and people around the world have issues with their immune system that really can can be changed through lifestyle and that they could make themselves more resilient and maybe less likely to succumb to uh, to a virus. And, and we saw that very plainly, that there was a, a tremendous dividing line between people who, you know, did okay, you know, uh, contracted the COVID-19, you know, uh, maybe were sick for a couple of weeks, but recovered fully, and people who were either hospitalized, put on ventilators, and then essentially died. So, you know, if you really sort of look at the statistics, there were definitely patterns between who was vulnerable and who was not. And it's just really such an important message because we've 
you know, we'll get through this one, but it's only a matter of time before something else comes our way. And this is our first line of defense for no matter what it is that challenges our health. You're absolutely right, Joan. And I think, you know, we have um, really relied too much on hiding behind medications um, to sort of save us. And what we see is that that is not that's not the case for the future. And you're absolutely right. There is no uh, probably limit to new types of novel uh, viruses, bacteria that are that are out there already in the world. You know, these these viruses like COVID-19, the SARS family, um, these have spilled over from animal populations, of course, in, in the East and Africa and, and China, et cetera. Um, and as we continue to, you know, impress upon these areas and develop the world, we're going to have this spillover from animals. And um, so it, you're right. It's not going away. We're going to have more challenges in the future. And it's, it's really our responsibility to look to ways to live healthily in this environment and to really you know, sort of boost up our defenses. So, Doctor, you write about four primary immunotypes that underlie the immune imbalances. Can you take us through these mm-hmm. four and just briefly explain what they are and what they mean? Sure. So, you know, I, I came to this sort of conclusion because many of the people I work with um, have different um, disease diseases and symptoms that, you know, at the heart have an immune imbalance. And what I noticed were these patterns and that it wasn't always about sort of boosting everybody in the, in the same direction. That some people were sick because they actually might have um, uh, an overactive response in certain ways. And so what it came down to was, was four different types. Um, and the first uh, type would be, um, I call it smoldering. And I call it smoldering because there are many of us that are walking around on the planet. We may not even realize that we're that sick. These are the people who, you know, one day have a heart attack and then they go, oh, I never knew, you know, I had a problem because maybe they didn't go to the doctor, they didn't get the right test, or they just sort of lived a certain way. And they have chronic inflammation that's not being turned off. Um, so they may have heart disease, uh, uh, prediabetes. Um, they may have some signs and symptoms like arthritis. Uh, they may be smokers, heavy drinkers. They may not sleep very well or have very stressful lifestyles. So sort of this um, uh, sort of overly inflamed person. Um, and that's the smoldering immunotype. And then um, the next would be hyperactive. So hyperactive really um, is uh, are, the, are the people who have sort of a overreaction to things in their environment that really should not be a threat. So these are people who have allergies generally. They have a very specific immune response. They have an acceleration of certain kinds of T cells, a certain kind of cytokines that um, are very uh, reactive. Um, they create antibodies against things like pollen, certain foods, have things like asthma, eczema. So that, that's the hyperactive uh, people. And there's quite a few of us. Um, and then uh, misguided are people who unfortunately have developed autoimmune reactions. So um, instead of, re, you know, ignoring their own uh, cells, their own tissues, they may have developed antibodies uh, against um, organs and tissues. So people with rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis. I mean, there's so many autoimmune diseases now. And then lastly would be people um, that I put in the weak category. And this can happen for different reasons, but I would say in terms of the lifestyle, it's usually people who, uh, they might be malnourished, undernourished, extremely stressed out, history of trauma, um, 
they're particularly susceptible to, to toxins in the environment. They tend to get sick very uh, quickly, frequently, have a hard time getting rid of infections. Uh, these are the people who have like uh, viruses that come back again and again, um, might get shingles frequently, um, herpes, cold sores, all these viruses that we're supposed to be able to suppress. So that's the weak immunotype. And um, there's crossover between them. So you can actually be sort of a little bit of both or a little bit of two of them. Um, but what we're trying to do is, is move people back into balance from these imbalances uh, so that they have a healthier immune system. So I took your immunotype test, and it mm-hmm. would be easy, I would assume, if you have multiple checks in categories. But my results, I scored three in smoldering, mm-hmm. and one I thought was good because I rarely get colds or flu, zero mm-hmm. misguided, yeah. zero hyperactive, and one in weak because I had shingles last year. So for someone like mm-hmm. me who checks two or three, what does that actually mm-hmm. mean? Or Does that mean that we have issues? Are we borderline? So, you know, that means you're actually doing a really good job. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, someone who scores very low on, because, you know, some of these things that are described are extremely common, right? Um, allergies, very common. A lot of people have that. A lot of people have different aspects of the smoldering, um, you know, symptoms. And so... It generally means that you're doing a good job um, both being able to uh, mount a good, strong inflammatory response to keep things at bay, that you clear things quickly, and that you don't, at least that you know of, have any ongoing um, signs or symptoms that would indicate that you have an autoimmune disorder or that you have one of these chronic inflammatory um, issues or smoldering. So, I think that for someone like you, it's really just important to look at the chapters that talk about, okay, then how do we keep ourselves really healthy? Like, how do we move forward um, through life, you know, uh, paying attention to sleep, paying attention to, um, to nutrition and stress management? Because, you know, at any time in our life, things can come up, right? So we can go through a really stressful period of time, a traumatic event, um, something like that, and things can go awry. Or... With gut health, I've seen many people have pretty healthy um, uh, gut and really no problems, but maybe they go overseas, they go on a long trip, they get a, a parasitic infection, it throws things off, and then a year later they start having issues with, um, with their digestion. So, you know, knowing where you are is important and then knowing what to do, um, which I give a lot of tips in the book. For moving forward, if you're someone who's middle-aged and you've been living you know, you know, not really healthy lifestyle for a good part of your life. Is it ever too late to make these changes? Can we rebalance our immunotype? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is sort of the message that I wanted to get across in the book, because I think that, um, and what I've seen too, is that many people who are, you know, labeled with a disease, um, they go to their practitioner and they're told, and this is something I hear all the time, which I find devastating, is, um, there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, you just need to take this medication for the rest of your life. Um, that's it. And part of what I know is that their practitioners are not educated um, in any sort of lifestyle medicine. They themselves may not live a very ha- healthy lifestyle, so they don't know what to tell them. Like I said, they may be suspicious about things. But that's unfortunate because, you know, we turn over our cells every single day. You know, we're constantly making new cells. And we know that we can reverse diabetes. We can decrease inflammation very quickly with food. Um, we can absolutely change our health with microbiome changes. And that's been proven in, in research studies. 
So to tell people that there's no hope, I think, is, is um, really incorrect. I, I think it's a bit of a travesty. Now, that being said, if you know, if you have gotten to the point that, you know, say you're a smoker for 40 years and you've developed, you know, COPD and scarring of the lungs, it doesn't mean that, you know, it won't help if you stop smoking and you start sleeping better. Of course it will. But is it going to reverse things at that point? It may not because sometimes there are there is permanent damage to a tissue that is really hard to get back. But it's always worth trying. It's always worth improving aspects of your life because you're going to feel better for sure. And I think another important message is no matter what your family history is, that doesn't mean it's your future because by following mm-hmm. this advice, you can change that destiny that you believe, you know, like my mom has heart disease. It doesn't mean I'm absolutely going to have heart disease. I have some control in that. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times when we, when, when people talk about their, their family members, well, first of all, they assume that everything is genetic, which is not true. You know, most, most um, illnesses are not genetic. um, Or if there is a genetic tendency, it's extremely small. Um, We know that we can control how our genes um, activate how they turn off on and off and so you can manipulate um, gene um, function uh, and that's called epigenetics up above the above the gene so you know things like sleep and food and and uh, even mindset you know can change your genetic outcomes but again most of the time when we see someone who's had you know say cardiovascular disease or diabetes when you look back it's because you know they ate a horrible diet they were obese they were sedentary so if you make those same decisions, yeah, you are going to go down the same rabbit hole, right? But if you if you don't do those things, you probably won't. The book is The Immunotype Breakthrough, Your Personalized Plan to Balance Your Immune System, Optimize Health, and Build Lifelong Resilience. If you'd like to get more information about Dr. Moday and her work, you can visit modaycenter.com. Dr. Moday, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, John. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.